Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. I want you to look at the screen here today. I am, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start a little three-week thing here today. I can't preach it all today. But I'm going to speak today on one generation away. One generation away from extinction. One generation away from being lost. One generation away from changing the world. One generation away from breaking any curse. It all depends on what we pass on. But we are one generation away. Judges chapter 2 verse 6 through 10 says it this way. And when Joshua had dismissed the people, the children of Israel went each to his own inheritance to possess the land. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was a hundred and ten years old. Some of you got some time left. Don't look at me like that. Claim that. And they buried him within the borders of his inheritance at Timnath Herez, in the mountains of Ephraim and on the north side of Mount Gaiash. And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the works which he had done for Israel. There arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. 3 John, verse 2 and through 4 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Say amen to that. Just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Then he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth really John really really you saying that you you really believe that John you the one who laid your head on Jesus breast you the one that saw all his miracles you the one that said the books couldn't contain if you started describing all the things that he did you who were the last one at the cross you who witnessed the resurrection you who understood what it was to be filled with the Holy Ghost On the day of Pentecost, you, John, you saying that my greatest joy, my greatest joy is to see my children walk in truth. My subject today is one generation away. I'm going to do my best to not be heavy, but I want to talk to you today. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. You may be seated. Amen.
Today I, I have been given the opportunity to commute, communicate the old gospel in new times. We're living in the times of the judges even now. We really are. There is a rising a nation that knows not God, nor the works that he has done for his people. The entire book of Judges goes on to describe a per, perhaps what I would call a spin cycle, a cycle of forgetting God and his goodness and then destruction coming and then repentance back to God and then God showing up again and then giving them the victory and then the people falling away again. And it was just a cyclical thing in the book of Judges. It was the same story. And every time that they fell away again, God raised up another deliverer, another judge. That's why it's called the book of Judges. Same story. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth verse. God had positioned those people and said, I will be your God. And they would turn their back on that God. And then they would turn their back back to God. And I believe today that I'm literally standing between two generations. I really, really am. Between people who know the works that God has done and people who perhaps have not seen or heard the things that God has done and remind them what God has done and remind them what God still can do. Amen? Amen. The Bible said Jesus Christ the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same forever. If he ever healed, he still heals now. If he ever set people free, he still sets people free now. If he ever fills someone with the Holy Ghost, he still fills people with the Holy Ghost today. If he still washes sins away then, he still washes sins away now. You know, my generation, my generation, I'm holding something today that some of the young people don't even recognize. You know what this is? This is a cassette tape. Hello. It's not Napster. It's not iTunes. It's a cassette. Hello. It's not going to bomb. It's not going to blow up. It's not going to, it's just a cassette tape. What's that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because this is what I was raised up on. See, I got, I've got a man here that I used to love his piano music. And somebody had a tape of that man's piano music. And I asked him to make a tape for me. And so what you would do, you'd take this boom box. I had one, but I, I gave it away. <laughs> you'd take this boom box and you'd put, you'd put the master on one side and you'd put a cassette tape on the other side and you would record that thing. But see, what I got here is not the recording of the master. I got a recording of a recording of a recording of a recording, of a recording. I don't know how many recordings are here, but there's a hiss on this thing. Some of you older people know what I'm talking about. Because it really is not a clear recording. Digital stuff today is a whole lot better. You can record a whole lot of stuff on digital and it'll still be clear and neat. But these old cassette tapes, when you record it more than twice, boy, you got a hiss. And if you record it five times off a of recording, off a of recording, 
you couldn't hardly understand the music. It was, <sighs> and I think what I am trying to bring to you today is simply this. There is a problem in many churches of making a copy of 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 a copy. And by the time you make all the copies of copies, it's got that analog concept and there's hardly any words left and there's hardly any music left. And there's hardly anything that you can understand on it. That's why God always wanted Israel, got to get this now, that if you was ever going to weigh a shekel to see if it weighed to be a shekel, you had to compare it to a shekel in the sanctuary. You couldn't go to a man and say, give me one of your shekels. I want to weigh my shekel against your shekel. I want to weigh my shekel against yours because you see, when you wore them in your trousers or you wore them in your coat, those coats would always rub those shekels down if you carried them for a while or you ran your hand over them. There was always a way to rub down the shekel and lose the weight of the shekel. And when man touches what God wants to give to the church, he sometimes wears it thin and it loses its strength and it loses its power and it loses its fortitude. So God is saying, I want somebody today to go back to the sanctuary and find a true shekel and measure everything you're doing today against what I prepared for you in the days of yore. Here's what I want to tell you. There is a power that still changes lives today. There is a name that still saves people from their sin today. There is a glory that still fills the house of God today. Would somebody clap your hands? It's not a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. It is the real thing. And somehow, God has allowed me and wants me to produce to you today that we're just one generation away from losing the things that made us great in life. You know what? One of the things that made the Spirit-filled people great are worship. Our worship. Anybody want to worship God today? Would anybody like to just kind of stand up and give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation today? Would anybody like to say, I still believe, I still believe that worship is a fabulous, fabulous thing in the house of the Lord today? I don't want a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. I want somebody to look into heaven and see angels saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. I want somebody to get a glimpse of the original. You may be seated. Do you still believe the Lord heals today? Do you still believe he heals today? I have asked for a young man that will be here next Sunday. He does not attend this church, but he will be here next Sunday with his grandpa. And he's coming for to show that God is still in the healing business. His testimony will blow you away next Sunday. But I'm trying my best to tell you that there is, there is an original. There is something that we don't need to water down. There is something that we don't need to covert and cover up. 
There is something that we don't need to rub the edges off of. There is an original. And I want this church to understand we must identify with the glorious power of God. We must identify with the glorious forgiveness of his Savior. We must identify with the glorious Holy Ghost that he pours out. We must identify with divine healing that he gives to everybody. It is not gone away. It is still here today. Somebody say glory to that right now. I love this quote from Ronald Reagan. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. I'd like to say that truth is never more than one generation away from extinction. I'd like to say the moving of the Spirit is never more than one generation away from extinction. I'd like to say the church as we know it is never more than one generation away from extinction. I'd like to say the family unit as we know it is never more than one generation away from extinction. The ideals, the morals, the attitudes that you want your kids to be raised on are just one generation from extinction. The thought processes that we think ought to be just like oxen, it ought to just fill the air, it ought to always be here. And yet the sexuality and the values that used to be considered so risque now are done openly on TV prime time. It is so much in our face anymore. God help the church in this hour. You see, one generation accepts the truth. The next generation assumes the truth. The next generation confuses the truth. And eventually the next generation loses the truth. Some of you parents better wake up and look around. In preparation for the sermon this week, I pulled some statistics, modern things that are staggering, and I want to share them with you today. For instance... Teen pregnancy rate, stay with me now, in the next 24 hours, over 2,700 teen girls will become pregnant in the next 24 hours. Does that, does that mess with you a little bit? They took a poll, and kids 14 and older, 50% of them admitted to what they call sexting. I'm going to get real today sending sexually explicit photos of themselves and lewd comments about sexual desires, 50% admitted that they did it 14 years of age and older. And that's just the ones who admitted it when they were polled. I'll tell you something that's bothering me a little bit, and I know it's off the beaten path, but bullying in our schools. Bullying in our schools has bothered me as a pastor because you see, it's not a new thing. My grandson was bullied just last year. You know why he was bullied? Because he took up for a simple child in that school. A child that knew that he loved him. A child that knew that nobody else in that school cared about him. But Caden cared about him. And because he cared about him, several boys began to bully my grandson. I never wanted to go and take care of some boys so bad in my life. And then say, bring your daddy also. I'll wear him out too. See, it's so easy, folks, to ruin someone's life by one sentence that's placed on the internet. Let me say something about Facebook and the internet. When you talk on it, talk good. When you speak on it, speak well. 
After all, you're a child of God. You belong to Jesus Christ. And you love the lost. And you love the saints. And you love the saved. And you love the people that don't know God. we got to love everybody. The next 24 hours, listen to me, parents. Over 1,400 teens will try to kill themselves. I'm not a grouchy old man. I'm really not. I love deeply. And I want the best for your kids. But somehow I'm standing here today because I think I relate to responsibility. And I'm close enough to this church to tell you the truth. I'm between one generation that has seen it and one generation that would love to see it. And somehow we got to translate. The Bible said one generation shall praise his mighty acts to the next generation. And I want to praise something to my next generation. I want my kids to still be in the presence of God. I want these kids that are being baptized today to know what it is to shake in the presence of God. I want these kids that's going down in water today to understand what it is to stand here and feel God all over them and know that God is with them. That's what it's about. I don't want to lose what God has blessed us with. I want the presence of God to be in our house, in our home. We're just one generation away. See, what my generation thinks about the Bible and what this generation thinks about the Bible is Sometimes different, see, my generation thought that Jesus was the only way. He was the Savior. He died for us. We believed the Bible was right. We didn't believe you proved the Bible wrong or right by some thesis that somebody else had written that was agnostic or atheist. But it's hard to find that in this generation. I know I'm old school. I'm trying to catch up. But next Sunday, I want you to be here because I'm going to give you five things that the Holy Ghost has put into my spirit. I want to give you five things next Sunday because I'm going to preach the next three Sundays. We are one generation away from either going down or going up. And I want this church to be a preaching point. I want this church to be a revival center. I want this church to be a place where people can come and say, wow, something happened to me there today. I don't want us to go through the motions. I want us to have an old-fashioned move of the Holy Ghost and fire in this house. Clap your hands all over the house and praise him. How many of y'all tweet? I do. I'm a tweeter. And I tweet stuff that people hashtag. And, I, and I, I discover what those hashtags are. Those hashtags are when somebody hashtags something that you've said, they want, they want people to be drawn to that because you can hashtag that quote and you can find everybody that's commented on that hashtag, on that, on that same situation. Like if I said the horns are going to win this year and, I, and somebody quotes that and hashtags it, they can all go to see who everybody thinks about the horn. You see the good, the bad, the ugly. And I found something the other day that disturbed me mightily. There was a tweet that went out and somebody began to hashtag and, and it was what they called abortion clinic playlist. It was music that was played or could be played in an abortion clinic. That these would be the songs they'd like to have played at an abortion clinic. Are you ready? This is your generation. Disco Inferno, burn, baby, burn. That's your generation. Here's another one. Another one bites the dust. Here's another one. Mama said, knock you out. 
Here's another one. Good riddance. Here's another one. A song by NSYNC. Bye, bye, bye. My heart hurts to think that this generation is laughing about songs on a playlist in an abortion clinic. How did we get here? How did we get from here to where God wants to take us? We believe in life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And we're here, really? We're really where we are today? Can I talk to you right now? There are two things today. There are two things I want to share with you today. How do we restore righteousness? How do we get back to where we once were? How do we make people see the change that only God can give them? God did not call this church to condemn the world, but he called this church to change the world. How could those Israelites go from following Joshua to not knowing who God was? The problem with our generation is that they don't know, is it that, that, that they don't know about Jesus, they know about him, but what we're missing is the experience with the living God. Not that they don't know about him, they don't know him. And what we have to do is do more than just tell them about him. We've got to get people connected to knowing him. Paul said, oh, that I might know him, not know about him, not read about him, not talk about him, but I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him. So there's two things. I want you to write this down. There's two things. Two things that I want to tell you today. Two little principles. And here's one of them. They can't know him if we don't show them. Whose fault is that? I'm really, I'm really kind of fed up with a lot of talk. I'm ready for dads and moms to start showing some things. It's like one man said it this way. He said, preach the gospel every day. And when necessary, use words. I love that. I want you to do something with me. You ready? Let's do a little exercise. You ready? Touch your eye. Touch your nose. Touch your mouth. Touch your ear. Touch your eye. Touch your nose. Touch your ear. Two times around, you messed up. You know why you messed up? Because people don't listen to what you say. They watch what you do. Daddy, if you want a Holy Ghost revival in your kids, start having Holy Ghost revival in your own life. Mama, if you want your children to start praying, start praying with your kids. Parents, if you want your children to love the word of the Lord, pull it out at the table and read something awesome in the word of God and make it alive to them. I promise you, it's not what you say, it's who you are that matters. I can't help your kids as much as you want me to in an hour and a half on Sunday and an hour 15 on Wednesday, but I know somebody that can. We got parents that need to take our kids on a journey and say, this is not what we're going to say, this is what we're going to do. How do they know him if we don't show them? How do they know he's a God of compassion if we don't show compassion? We're fighting each other and holding grudges. How do we know he's a God of forgiveness if a mother-in-law is coming for Thanksgiving this year and you already dread it now? 
How do you know he's a God of acceptance when you don't have any? How do you know he's a provider when you don't trust him? How do, you, how do they know he's faithful and you ne- they never see us step out in faith and trust him? How do you know? How do they know that we're giving our lives to him and we never come to church until it's expedient? Can I preach to you right now? I'm telling you, church ought to be number one on your list today. I don't care what's happening in your week. You ought to get up on Sunday morning and say, this is a day the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad. And we're going to the house of the Lord. My kid is going to be raised in church. I remember great people in my life. My dad's the greatest man I ever knew. He led a life of quietness, and yet he was so strong. He came to school one day because a teacher wanted to get me in trouble, and he stayed about 15 minutes. <laughs> and that teacher gave me an A in that class. My dad was such a great man. When he spoke of people, it was so positive. That was, he would say, that's a good man, son. That's a good woman. My daddy was such a positive man. My mother, I love her. She made me go to church. Mama made me go to church. She made me get down and pray. She said, there ain't no devil going to get cast out. It's going to get in you. You've got enough of them on your own. You don't need no no more of anybody else's. Get down and pray. And we'd get down and pray. And the spirit that came out of people wouldn't come in me. I had a Sunday school teacher in college that always told us, at the end of every class, you kids matter. Ow. You matter. My old pastor, Levelin, always said I would fill his shoes, and I used to laugh. My English teacher in high school who said, you're different. Don't lose your commitment to life. She would come by when I would speak out a turn in class and pull my ear. Nobody else got their ear pulled. She said, you're different. Quit that. The book of Judges, they lived in a land. They knew the law, but they didn't know the Lord. I'm going to tell you, rules without revelation leads to rebellion. What we've got to do is show our kids. We've got to show our kids. We've got to show our kids, not just tell our kids. We've got to show our kids. Kids, this is how you worship. Kids, this is how you get under the presence of God. Kids, this is how you pray. Kids, this is how you read the word of the Lord. Kids, this is how it's done. Come on, parents. I need you today. I need you to step up. And we've got to take our generation to another level. And the second thing I want to tell you, not only do we have to show them, they don't need rules to live by. They need a calling to live for. They don't need rules to live by. Next slide. They need a calling to live for. I believe in rules. I spank my kids. With a little, thank you, Mama. <laughs> Got one Mama in the house. Had a little old paint stir about this long, and you hit it across your hand, it'd break. It wasn't going to hurt nobody. Sure wasn't going to kill them. But, boy, when you start spatting your hand with that, you're talking about some fear rising up. Unless it was my little son. He used to lay on the bed and say, Daddy, whip me all you want when you get through. Tell me you're done. Maybe that's why the little lamb went to heaven early. I don't know. It's hard to hit that. When they broke the rules, 
They just didn't go to timeout. They got spanked and then went to timeout. And if they didn't like timeout, they got wore out again. By the way, all my kids are in this choir and they're all in this church and they love God. Not perfect. Not perfect. But I'm not a Spock man. I'm a Solomon man. I remember the first people that recognized God had a calling for me. I believe in rules. But rules are not what's going to make our kids great. We've got to put a calling in our kids. We've got to let our kids know that they matter. There's a mom that brings her little boys to church. And ever since she's been bringing them to church, I've called them presidents. They're going to be baptized today. Amen. And one of them stopped me one day. He's very bright. The oldest one stopped me one day and he said, do you really think that about me? I said, yeah, I do. He said, then where's my jet? <laughs> I've preached about my grandma I'm closing. I've preached about my grandma before. She came to my ordination when I was ordained. Drove all the way from Oklahoma to West Texas. She had that razor strop. You know, she wore us out with that razor strop. Whop, one lick, and you sent, you was, you was nine ear to tongues right then. <laughs> but one day, she pulled me in the house, and I said, oh, God. I said, Mamma, don't whip me today. She said, I'm not. I'm not going to whip you, son. I want you to act like you got a whipping, but I'm not going to whip you. <laughs> she looked at me, and she said, son, you're different. What? She said, you're different. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'm different. Does that mean I've got things growing out of my head? No. Son, there's a God call on your life. I went into high school. There was an English teacher in high school. Not, the, not my English teacher. She was an English teacher in high school. She was uglier than soap. And she was a hard taskmaster. And we went on a field trip one time to San Antonio from Leveland. We went on a field trip, and I went on that field trip. And I just felt sorry for that woman. She was so ugly, I felt sorry for her. <laughs> and I just hung with her. I, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to grade because she wasn't my teacher. Thank God. She's hard as she could be. I, I'd have been kicked off the honor society. She was tough. And she looked at me one day, we was drinking a Coke together, and everybody else was gone, and they was doing their thing, and I was with the school teacher. She reached over and put her hand on me, and it scared me. <laughs> and she said, thank you for caring. 
I had a manager when I was in my second year of college in a store in East Texas. He came to me one day and put his arm around me and said, what are you doing here? You have a calling on your life. Let me tell you something. You could have given me 17 reasons not to have sex before marriage. You could have given me 21 side effects of drinking. And it wouldn't have mattered if it was just a rule. But every time one of those things posed its head in my life, I remembered a grandma that said, you're different. I remembered a high school teacher that said, you care. And I remember a man that didn't even go to church tell me, you have a calling on your life. It's time that these kids get more than just rules in their life of do's and don'ts. You can't do that. You can't do that. It's time for dads and moms to lay hands on our kids and to pray with our kids and to pass what God has given us to the next generation. It's not about rules and regulations. It's not about that. It's getting kids to understand they have a calling on their life. Can somebody help me preach right now? Your kid's got a calling on his life. Rules would not have stopped me, but I didn't want God's hand to be taken off of me. I wanted to please God so bad. So, Mamma, thank you. Thank you, sweet English teacher. You never got prettier, but you sure was a great lady. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Turpin. Thank you for understanding that even when you didn't go to church, you knew God had his hand on my life. We're just one generation away. You can't change them if you don't show them. And it's not about rules. It's about understanding that they have a calling in their life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? Dear Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your kindness and your goodness to us and your your love. There's nobody like you. What an awesome God we have and what a great God we serve. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Lord, let us be a church that understands that we can have revival. We can have a move of God. We can have the presence of God all the days of our life. But we must show our kids. And we must understand that our kids have a call of God on their life. It's in Jesus' name. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.